Reforming society, repairing your mentality, restoring your life. This is The Revolutionized Mind. Hey everybody, Happy New Year. I hope you're having an amazing first week of 2022. I'm feeling really good about this year. I think it's the first time I've really set some intentional goals and thought about what I wanted to do and like really work to break those down into tangible steps that I can achieve. So I'm excited and I hope you are too. And I truly think it's because of who our guest is today, Alicia Rose. I had purchased her New Year's Evolution Guided Planner and at the beginning it had a bunch of prompts to reflect on 2021 and then to line out three of your biggest goals and then just get you thinking about why those are your goals, what it can give you in a compassionate manner and how you can actually achieve them. So for the first time in my life, I like sat down with a pen and paper and I wrote down what I wanted to achieve this year and how I can actually do that. So I think it made it really easy for me to visualize what I see for myself and allow that to come from like a place of love instead of self-hatred or self-sabotaging beliefs. And my words for this year are growth and vulnerability. I don't know specifically why these two words just kind of came to me and with everything that I'm doing, whether it's this platform or my own self-growth or putting myself out there more, it just really, I think, captures all my goals for this year and what I really see for myself. So if anybody ever sees me not doing one of those things or something is contradicting those two words, please let me know and hold me accountable because I really, really want to stick to these goals and these words this year because I think I can really help to improve my overall well-being. So thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Alicia is amazing and she gives a lot of great advice and gives us her personal experiences and I think it's a great way to start the year by listening to this and learning how we can make those small steps in our own life to understanding our own value and what we bring to the table instead of letting other people determine that for us. So I hope you enjoy and are ready to embrace your evolution. So today I'm here with Alicia Rose, who's a registered social worker and spiritual coach, and she's all about evolution and bringing the best out of people. So I thought she was the perfect first guest of 2022. How are you doing today? doing good thank you for having me i'm really (laughs) excited to talk more about everything we're going to talk about today but like as you said i'm a social worker i got my bachelor of social work at mcmaster and in 2021 i got my master's of social work from u of t so thankfully i'm done school now um And throughout my time at McMaster, I had a lot of placements that were in like the violence against women sector. So I really developed a passion for helping women who had been in abusive relationships. And that really inspired a lot of the work that I do around self-worth now. Um, But outside of social work and my full-time job, I also like to write and create art, specifically drawing and painting. And over the last few years, I found spirituality and I created my account Eternally Evolving to help remind myself and others of their worth because this is something that I always struggled with. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've loved seeing your journey. It's actually incredible. And it's nice to know like the backstory behind where your passion started. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely that. And then my personal experience as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about more today. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess jumping right into it, why did you originally decide to get into coaching? So the coaching part was actually newer. I just really had that idea like in the last year, but I think that social work is pretty similar. So the reason I wanted to get into social work was because I wanted like all the struggles that I had went through in elementary school and high school and even university. Like I wanted it to mean something and have a purpose and be used like for good. I wanted it to help other people who were going through a similar experience as me because I experienced like really chronic anxiety and panic attacks and just like really low self-confidence that impacted a lot of areas of my life. So I wanted to be able to do something good with all this experience that I have because it really helps me relate to people. And I also just really like connecting with people in that way. With coaching specifically, I started my full-time job last spring, 
And it's as a single session counselor. So it's kind of like crisis counseling, although not every call is going to be a crisis. Sometimes it is like a suicide risk. And then other times it could be someone dealing with a breakup or they've been feeling depressed or just really stressed. And I enjoy it a lot, but I found that I was like the most happy and excited when I got to talk to people like a little bit more informally and talk to them about like their spiritual beliefs and how that relates to like their plan to feel better. Um, And I really like specifically helping girls and women who have either just went through a breakup or have just been dumped and are really struggling with feeling confident and feeling worthy. So that made me realize like I wanted to get really specific and help people in this area as well through my coaching where I can be a little bit more informal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. Thanks for sharing that. I know it's not an easy thing to talk about, but I was like wondering too where all the self-worth came from because in the accounts I follow, that's not normally something that a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on. So I've learned a lot from your posts and it's just really nice seeing other people's perspectives and knowing that you have that personal experience to relate it back to. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't even really know that self-worth was the main problem for a really long time. It wasn't until probably the last few years that I realized a lot of my anxiety came from not feeling worthy and struggling with my confidence. Like, I thought that I just had like social anxiety, which I did, but a lot of it was caused by the fact that I was always scared of saying the wrong thing or not being accepted or being judged. Mm -hmm. But like it was just probably last year or the year before where a therapist was like, you know, you don't have general anxiety. You're not anxious about every random little thing. You're anxious about making a mistake and failing and people not liking you. So it was basically like my confidence in myself and the worst that I was lacking was causing all this anxiety because I felt like I had to be perfect. Yeah, thanks for sharing. It's definitely, I think, something a lot of youth specifically struggle with because there is a lot of like teasing and judgment that goes on. And that's when you're trying to find your social circle and the things you like. So I kind of get where it comes from. But then again, like it's shitty that a lot of people do suffer from that. And there's so much focus put on like doing the wrong thing or all these standards as well on the other end of it that we need to achieve yeah and when I've been thinking about it lately I think that it happens a lot in girls too just because we grow up and when we're younger one of the most important things is like oh does the guy I like like me back like I need to be perfect in order for this guy to like me whereas I don't know if guys are really thinking the opposite way when they're younger that oh, I I need to do everything right to impress this girl. Like they have a lot more confidence naturally. So I think that a lot of it comes from that too, especially in girls where we just want to fit in with the other girls and we want to be noticed by other people, which can be hard when you're not the person who gets noticed. Yeah, that's really, it's a really good point because like I said, I think a lot of parents see it in their children and like friends see it within each other because Like even now at our age, like you see your friends constantly trying to impress this person or trying to put on a face for this person, whatever it is. And you see just like these different personas coming up and it's like, why can't we just be ourselves and be happy with that? Yes, exactly. And that's like a big part of what I really want to get out is like, you can be loved for exactly who you are. You don't need to change. And that's what I had thought for so long. And I ended up being in like a lot of relationships that didn't make me happy and ended up making me feel even less worthy because I felt like I needed to morph into this different person in order to be liked. And if someone did like me, I thought it was like a fluke. There's no way anyone else could like me. So I better stay with this person, even if like I'm not happy because no one else is going to like me. Yeah, that's such a shitty feeling. and especially like it could go friendships too, not just romantic relationships or even like parents, like it's any relationship where somebody or you feel somebody has control over you or they just have an influence over the decisions that you make. Yeah. Even if it's someone that we do care about and it's a good relationship or like it's not toxic in any way, but we don't really set boundaries for ourselves or show how we want to be treated when we don't have self-worth because we think, oh, well, they're paying attention to me. They like me. That's all I should expect because I don't deserve anything better than that. 
and then you end up like kind of getting walked over and being treated like a doormat because you don't show how you want to be treated you're happy just to be liked or accepted yeah that's a really good point um so I guess going off that do you want to tell us more about your journey with self-worth and self-love and how it's kind of changed over the years yeah for sure so for me I was really outgoing as a kid I was very confident there's so many home videos of me like doing what I call demonstrations for my family with just some sort of like show or play or dance that I would make up like I was even in like theater and would be like the main character which is still shocking for me to think about Mm -hmm. but I think that things started to change when I was in like grade four or five like I started to notice that I looked different than a lot of the other girls in the grade and especially the ones that like were more popular or that the boys started to like just because I was one of those lucky kids who started to get acne really young. Um, I was like bigger than everybody else, like not drastically, but you kind of really compare yourself to others when you start noticing those things. Um, And around that time, I also started getting bullied for my weight as well. So that just made me really aware of like other people perceiving me and paying attention to me and it having a possibility of it being negative. So I think that the anxiety really started in like grade seven or eight when I actually started caring if boys liked me back because then I was always worried about, okay, I don't even want someone to notice me because if they do, it might be for something negative. So I'd rather no one see me at all. So I started like not making any eye contact with anyone when I was talking to them or just try to avoid talking in general. Like I never put my hand up in class, which was a huge change for me because I started out like so confident and it was even until like grade six, I think, you know, those speech competitions that we would do in school where you do it in your classroom first and then you'd move to the gym if you did good enough and then you'd go to another person's school. I got to the point where I went to a different school and then the next year I had changed so much that like i never looked up from my cue cards the whole time I never took my hands off the page because I just wanted to stay so small like I got scared that if I took up space or if I was noticed it wouldn't be for something good and people would just point out something negative about me so I started to just really make myself small to try to hide from it Um, and then in high school that just continued especially as I started like getting into relationships Every morning, I would wake up and have to, like, hold on to my counter when I was getting ready in the bathroom because i just get, like, this wave of nausea and feeling lightheaded. And at the time, I didn't know what it was. I was like, am I pregnant? I don't know, <laughs> which it wasn't. But I look back at it now, and I realize that I was just so anxious. And I would wake up with this sense of dread because I knew that, like, every second of the day, I'd be worrying about like everything that I said and every move that I make and fearing that I'd be doing something to get like noticed in a negative way. And in grade nine, my parents ended up getting separated. At the time, I didn't really think that it affected me that much. But when I look back on it now, I realized I kind of gave myself this responsibility to try to fix everything for my family, like to try to make sure that my parents were okay. And that resulted in trying to do everything perfectly so they didn't have to worry about as much. So that perfectionism just got even stronger and was like a role I took on that if I can be perfect, I can control my surroundings. And this happened in my romantic relationship as well. So when things didn't go right, I went in with this mentality, well, that it must be my fault because I wasn't being perfect and I didn't make things easy for the other person. So whenever something would happen in a relationship, like if I got cheated on or if I got broken up with or just not even treated well in general, I would think it was my fault. There was something missing in me that made the person act this way that, well, maybe if I was better or looked more like the girl that they cheated with then maybe they wouldn't have done it so that just really like impacted my self-worth as you can imagine Um, and that continued until I was in university because I had ended up in a relationship where I completely tried to change into someone else just because this person like liked me and like they were nice to me but 
it just wasn't a place where I was happy, but I was so scared that if I wasn't with this person, nobody would ever like me again. So I couldn't leave in my mind. So I ended up being like super unhappy in my first year. I had a single room, so I spent a lot of time alone. And just, I remember being up a lot at night, just having meltdowns because I was so anxious and I wouldn't like going home because things would always go wrong whenever I saw this person I was with. So when that relationship finally ended, I realized like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I gave up all my values so I could fit in with this person and their world. And that's when I really started like getting into self-development and kind of introduced to spirituality at that time. And I started to think like, if I don't treat myself like I'm worthy, how am I going to expect to feel worthy in any other relationship in my life? So that was kind of how everything got started. And I went to therapy and they helped me a lot. I got diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder. And I will say that medication has helped me personally a lot. But in my opinion, for me, it's almost just cleared all the noise in my head so I can actually hear myself. And that's helped me to actually figure out who I am and like who I am and actually like the time that I spend with myself because it's not like the constant battle in my head anymore. Wow. Thank you very much for sharing that. That is a lot. And I know it's a lot to vocalize. So thank you. Um, I think your story kind of takes like a few different directions. And there's a lot of things that people can relate to, like whether it's with a parent separation or fear of judgment in society or relationships, like there's so many different things that I think a lot of people will be able to say like, hey, that also happened to me or I felt that way as well. So it's just really amazing and inspiring to see like how you took the initiative yourself to now build this business of yours and now help others get through those emotions so good for you that is very very awesome and something you should be super proud of thank you yeah it is it is really fun for me to even just work on it like even if like I post something and it's not successful or like I try to sell something and nobody really buys it it's just fun to actually put effort into something that I like to do And I think that's a big part of me, like, getting myself worth back is just spending time on what actually feels good for me. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like passion. I did an episode on this recently, but just like, really putting your whole self into something that you truly care about. And that that personal experience, too, I think really helps to like, build that passion for what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. I always say that I can't picture myself doing any sort of job that wouldn't involve working with someone else and helping people and connecting with people if I don't feel fulfilled in my work then I'm not going to want to do it yeah that's such a great point and that's why this is an amazing space for you to be in especially just like creating on social media I think there's so many options to connect with people and to put your message out there so it's a great place to start Yeah, I'm thankful for social media. It kind of mixes all my passions together. So like I can be creative. I have like done things where I sell my art or or do custom things for people. And then it also involves like this other piece of my own experience and, and getting to help mostly women just because that's usually a lot of the people who are engaged in this kind of work, but helping them to build their worth back up so they can then also share their gifts with the world and actually share their voice and feel okay being heard by people. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And it's so nice to see people like learning through their shitty experiences and then turning that into something positive. That's what like this whole thing's about. So thank you very much for being a guest and for sharing that. I do appreciate it. Um, can you tell us what eternally evolving means to you? I've always wondered, so I want to know where that kind of started. Yeah, so the more like practical side of it is I actually wanted to create like a page just to put my drawing. And me and my roommate at the time were trying to think of like a cool name. And I think that we had just watched the movie like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> so we're like, oh, I really like the word eternally. And then I wanted it to be something about like transformation and and growth. So somehow we got to evolving. It started as like lunar love notes because <laughs> <laughs> like I wanted it to incorporate the moon. But this fits a lot better just because I think it really signifies how this journey of growth, it really is like forever. It's going to be 
going on for our whole life. It's not just a destination that we're going to reach one day and say, like, okay, I'm done working on myself. I'm happy enough. It's kind of like we're always leveling up. But instead of becoming a new person or evolving into something else, for me, it's more that we're getting rid of everything that isn't us and we're unlearning all these beliefs and opinions and rules that we've absorbed but don't actually like resonate with us and coming back to who we actually are and who we were before we started to be scared of being rejected or, or being judged. Um, so I like to think of it as like the game Super Mario Bros where you would have to fight like Bowser in a castle to get to the next world. It's almost like we keep leveling up, so it never really ends. We're always going to face challenges and have old wounds come up. But when we do finally face them, it allows us to kind of take another step towards ourselves. I love that. I love analogies. (laughs) They're my favorite. But yeah, no, that's so true that like we're always in a battle with external things, obviously, but then there's a lot of internal things going on. But at the end of the day, like we are only building ourselves. And I think that's why like, invest in yourself has become so popular because it's the little things you do that like helps build your internal things that like prepares you to deal with the external things yeah and I think that it takes a long time to actually realize that we have so much within us that actually like makes us unhappy or holds us back because it's all that we knew for so long we don't really know that maybe there's a different way to think about something or there's a different approach. If we've never seen it any other way, we don't know that there's any other possibilities. So we don't really understand why we're feeling crappy or why we're struggling. So once you realize that like, we can decide what we want to think about things, we can decide how we define things. Like that changes so much. And then we actually see how much power we have to make ourselves happy. Yeah, for sure. And like, making that realization for yourself is so powerful, like knowing that you do have more worth or more power, more confidence than you thought you just had to do some digging to get there. Yeah, like I remember my one therapist was like, well, you have all these troubles with feeling worthy, you always feel like you're not good enough. Like, how do you actually define someone's worth? And I was like, um, I actually have no idea. And then I once I really thought about it, I started to realize that I defined my worth like on achievements or how well I did in school or how many people liked me. It was all this performative stuff. And then he was like, well, how do you want to define your worth? And I was like, oh, my God, like I get to choose how I define it. And I don't base other people's worth off of their performance or achievements, like their success. So why was I doing that to myself? I just look at someone and think they're alive, they're human, they have worth. But for me, I had to somehow earn it. So once I realized that I was making that rule for myself in my head and I could change it, it felt a lot easier to just acknowledge that I was good enough as I was. Yeah, I love that. It's that sense of autonomy and realizing that, like, you get to make the decision for you and it's not other people telling us who we can or can't be and things like that. Like we're just constantly thinking about what other people are going to think. But I mean, our society is very selfish in general. So everybody's pretty much always just thinking about themselves. And I think that's a realization that I had to make for myself to realize that like nobody really cares that much about me. Like they have their own things going on. I can just focus on what I'm doing. Yeah, that was actually something huge for me, too. Like, I had so many therapists tell me, like, Alicia, you're not as special as you think you are. And I would always say, like, I'd be like, it's not really something I want to hear. I don't really (laughs) find that very positive. And then one day I finally realized that it's not that I'm not special in a good way. It's that I was making myself special by trying to do everything perfectly, by trying to be responsible for everybody else's situation, when really, like, I'm not that powerful. I don't have that much influence over the world. People are responsible for themselves. I'm not so special that I can somehow change their whole life or change their whole mood just by me doing something. And it's not possible for me to be perfect. I'm just a human. I'm just a human like everybody else. So I can let myself focus on me. It's okay. 
and like just do my best because that's what I expect of everyone else but we often expect much more of ourselves than we would of anybody else yeah I can definitely resonate with a lot of that and just I think that superiority that we like we put on ourselves and we're like so hyper focused on everything it's not that serious it never is like you said it's not possible to be perfect it never will be so just coming to terms with that yourself is super important I think is like what pushes you towards that self-growth journey yeah I definitely think that we kind of develop those behaviors of trying to control like how other people feel or how other people see us because it doesn't really feel comfortable to feel like we don't have control over things. But it's not that we don't have control over anything. It's just that we actually have to put our focus on what is in our control. Because if we're focusing on like how someone else sees me or how someone else feels, none of that's in our control. We're always going to be stressed out because we're going to be working so hard for something we're never going to be able to do. But then if you shift your focus to what is in your control, you can actually feel like a lot more safe and comfortable because you are aware that parts of your reality are controllable, just not the ones that you were trying so hard to control for so long. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important mindset switch and like some of that internal work you can do yourself. But I guess moving like externally, are there any habits or practices that you have incorporated into your own routine that you really enjoy doing or that you've really noticed has helped to like embrace your evolution? Yeah, so for me, journaling has always been one of the biggest ones. Like I've had a journal since I was in grade seven. I still remember asking my dad to take me to chapter so I could go and buy it. But it was just kind of at a time where I was had a lot going on in my head, didn't really understand it all. And I didn't really feel like I had anywhere to talk about it so for me I don't know why the idea came into my mind to get a journal and just start writing about it Um, but like I used to explain my mind as having so many thoughts flying around at once and it was just so full of thoughts that I couldn't even pull one out to see what it was so there was so much going on in my head I couldn't even hear myself think anymore which is very uncomfortable but I could also never explain what was wrong So I'd feel these physical symptoms of being anxious and people would ask, well, what are you anxious about? I had no idea because my head was just almost like the static on the TV, just like white noise. So for me, journaling has always been something where it helps me organize what I'm thinking. It helps me get some distance from the anxious thoughts that are going through my head. And when I do that, I can usually end up like rationalizing things and kind of giving myself some kindness so that I feel a little bit better about whatever it was that I was worried about. Like I kind of soothe myself because I'm just writing it out rather than trying to do it all in my head. Um, And now like as I get older, I find that it's really a place where I can like almost have my better self or my more wise self come through. I just kind of start writing even if I don't know exactly where it's going to go. And it just kind of makes my head more quiet so I can actually hear myself. Yeah, that's a really like powerful coping mechanism because I think a lot of people have those like noises or voices in their head. I'm definitely someone who is one of them. Um, And I mean, I personally don't journal. I know I was telling you it's like one of my goals for this year because I think it can really help me. I just find that like when I'm in the midst of it, I can't like calm myself down enough to get up, go get a book, go get a pen and like actually do it. Um, it's always like a thought I have when I'm more stable. So I don't know, is there any like tips you can <laughs> give us on that? Yeah, so for me, I'll like put notes in my phone too. So you can always tell like when I've had some sort of meltdown or like mm-hmm. gotten really anxious because you can see like all the notes in my phone or you can see in my journal, there's pages where I just like scribbled words. Like I can read it, but I don't think anybody else could. So I think that if I'm at home, I usually always have my journal near me. So if I start feeling overwhelmed or like getting intense emotions coming up, I just force myself to write. I guess this has really become a habit for me. But I think that you're right. When we are feeling very overwhelmed or we're having emotions that are really intense, we don't really have that rational thought to do what would probably help us. We just think like, I'm trapped, there's no options, I'm going to feel like this forever, this is never going to stop, it just kind of takes over. 
So a lot of the time I tell my clients when they're having intense emotions to do something that's more physical and then shift into something that requires more of your rational thinking. So it could be like just standing up and shaking out your body or like splashing cold water on your face or even drinking ice water or holding on to an ice cube. That comes from dialectical behavior therapy, which I really like because it doesn't just focus on changing your thoughts because sometimes that's way too hard in the moment. So it's kind of just how to manage really intense emotions when they come up so that they can decrease a bit. And then you can do the things that require more thinking like, okay, I feel a bit more calm now. I'm going to go get my journal and write or now I'm going to try meditating because I can actually sit and focus. If you expect yourself to do that when you're in the fight or flight because you're reacting to some strong emotion, it's probably not going to work. I love that. I think that's a very like tangible and easy strategy to like incorporate and definitely something I'm going to try because I really want to try journaling this year. Um, Yeah, no, like I think moving your body is so powerful and just like connecting to your senses in one way or another can really help ground you in that fight or flight response. Yeah, for sure. And when you're not in fight or flight, and you just want to develop the habit of starting journaling, I'd also say like, just dedicating a time in your day, like whether it's right when you wake up in the morning, or before you go to bed that you want to journal. And you could start with prompts too, which I find are usually easier when I don't think that I have much to say, because I'll find some prompts like Even on Pinterest, I'll save other people's on Instagram, and that will really bring out a lot and things that I probably hadn't thought of. So it could start as easy as just like three things you're grateful for or like your intention for the day. I like to ask myself, like, who do I want to show up as today? And that helps me really like clarify my intentions and my energy. And I think it also helps with like manifesting too, because you're kind of imagining how you want to show up for the day. Yeah, well, that ties perfectly into the next question, uh, which is about the law of attraction. (laughs) Um, I'm like really trying to get into all that. I think manifesting is so real and just like the energy around you, like you can really bring positive vibes around you with your habits or any internal switches that you make. So can you tell us what the law of attraction is and how we can use it to improve our lives? Yeah, so the law of attraction, I learned a lot about it from Gabby Bernstein. She has a book called Super Attractor, which makes it like very absorbable and it's actually like really easy to understand. So I really liked learning from that. And I think that I take a lot from Gabby Bernstein's approach to manifesting. There's also like The Secret on Netflix, if you haven't watched it, which is all about like the secret, which is the law of attraction and how we can kind of create our desired reality by our thoughts but it basically tells us that everything is energy so we're all like these energy particles and energy attracts similar energy so if we consider our thoughts we're going to attract more of what we focus on and more of the emotion that our energy is vibrating at so there's actually this thing called the emotional guidance scale I think I heard it from like this Instagram account called Elevate the Globe. Um, But it tells us how each emotion is vibrating at a different frequency. So like hate and fear and sadness are lower frequency on the scale. And then higher up is like love, joy, compassion, happiness. So your energy is just physically moving more, it's moving faster, has more energy. So when we're vibrating at a higher frequency, we can then attract more of that high vibrational experience or physical things like love and joy and just enjoying our experience more. So whatever it is that we're focusing on and where our energy is, is likely what we're going to get more of, even if it's just in the way that we're interpreting it. So it might not be that, in my experience, (laughs) that if you say like, oh, I want to have $100 tomorrow, it's likely not going to show up in your bank account. (laughs) But if you have that mindset that I can get $100 or that I can have money come to me, you're going to interpret different things throughout your day. Like, oh, maybe that's an opportunity for me to make some money. Um, Or look, I have all these things laying around that maybe I could return and get money for. It's kind of just like the way that you look at things 
in order for you to get more of it. Because if you're going in with the mindset that I'm broke, I have no money, I'm never going to have any money, you're not going to be looking for those opportunities because you've already told yourself that they're not going to be there. So in relation to what I shared about my relationships, I went into every relationship with this belief that I wasn't good enough and that I wasn't worthy. And like unintentionally, I ended up attracting more experiences that just proved my belief that I wasn't worthy because everything that someone said or did, I would interpret it as, oh, well, I guess I'm not good enough. I guess I'm not worthy. Whereas if I went into a relationship like I'm in now with the belief that like I'm valuable, I have gifts to bring to a relationship, that you're going to receive the love that's given to you more. You're going to think that you deserve it. So you're actually going to let yourself feel it. And if you are not treated in the way that you want to be treated, you know you're valuable enough to set boundaries for yourself. So it's kind of just the way that you show up in the world and how that impacts what you get back and what you experience back. Um, So for me, I come from a mental health background. So I know a lot about like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a very common therapy used for like anxiety and depression. It's basically just about changing your thoughts and your behaviors to ones that are more helpful. And I think that this is actually very similar to the law of attraction. It's just a different way for us to explain it and understand it. But it's just focusing on how the thoughts and the behaviors that we choose to use, they really impact how we interpret the situations that we go through. So I think that both things are just two different ways of reminding us that we have power over our reality and our circumstances by intentionally choosing the way that we think and act because everybody is viewing this world through a different lens. We're all going to experience the same situation in a little bit of a different way just based on what experiences we've had or what our beliefs are. So it just shows that like our mindset and the thoughts that we have actually do have a huge impact on the experiences that we have. Whether you're spiritual or not, I think that that's what the law of attraction really says is that we have control over the thoughts that we think and the things that we do. And if you want to feel good, those two things have to align with that. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I think like just reinforces how much power we actually have in our minds. And when mental illness is at play, like that power kind of feels like it's non-existent and you don't have the ability to make any choices for yourself because this cloud or whatever it is for you is just over you. And like hearing you explain that, it kind of makes me think of like, that's how I learned to like go with my depression instead of against it is that I was intentional about everything I did. And I like accepted the bad days, but then I worked with myself on the good days and just really learning to like change that inner dialogue when you can, because I know it's not always possible. And then like, flying with that treatment plan or law of attraction, however you want to actually call it. So that's super interesting. Yeah. And I think with mental health, like you said, we don't always feel like we have control over our thoughts. And there are days when, like, for example, with anxiety, your anxiety is so bad that you just can't think of a rational thought. And I think that that's okay. Like, we don't always have control. But what's really helpful is to acknowledge that Like, just because I'm thinking it doesn't mean that it's true. And I might not be able to think of something more positive right now, but I can recognize that, like, this is my anxiety talking. This is not me talking. And it's really helpful to, like, separate it from yourself. So even if you can't think of something better, it takes a lot of the weight off when you don't think that what your mind is saying to you is 100% true. Like, if there's a possibility that that voice in your head could be wrong, it makes it even a little bit less upsetting than if that critical voice was like 100% true. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's a really important and powerful way of framing that. Um, And I'm just like a big promoter for like, separating that voice from you, but also like listening to it and learning from it, because these negative experiences can take such a toll on our lives and just our immediate mental health, but learning how to like, work with it, and then do these little things internally, I think, can really, really change your life. Yeah, I think when we separate it, it also allows us to acknowledge that that voice is there for a reason. 
So like you said, it is important to listen to it and acknowledge it. We may not necessarily believe it, but for example, with anxiety, those thoughts usually come up because our mind is trying to protect us from something or it thinks it should be protecting us from something. So if we acknowledge the thought, recognize that the thought isn't actually ours, but just a part of us trying to protect us, we can kind of say like, hey, thought, thanks. Like, thanks for trying to protect me. I understand why, but like, that's not the case right now. I don't need that right now. Like, can you get out of the way so I can focus on something that's better? Or like, even if you don't have the capacity to choose something better in that moment, acknowledging that it's not you, I find really helps me a lot. Like if I say like, my inner critic is saying to me, or the bully in my head is saying this, it just gives you a little bit of distance from it and takes away some of the power that it has. Yeah, I love that. And it's, again, kind of related to the next question. But when it comes to goal setting, it could be like, big New Year's goals since this is when we're recording or just simply like reframing those thoughts or trying to do things with more intention. How can we be more compassionate with ourselves to ensure that we have the most success? Yeah, so what I've learned through my experience is that a lot of the time when I set goals, it came from a place of that unworthiness. So I'm not good enough as I am right now. I'm going to set these goals, but I can be different. And then that will make me good enough. And that never worked. I might, like, for example, a lot of the time for me because of, like, being bullied for my weight and everything like that. When I started setting goals when I was very young, it was always related to losing weight. So it would be that my body isn't good enough as it is. I'm not good enough as I am. My goal is to lose weight so then I can be good enough. Like, yeah, you might do something in relation to that goal for a little bit. But because you're coming from that place of not liking yourself, inevitably, when you do mess up with your goal, you're going to then think it is because I wasn't good enough. I'm not good enough to achieve this goal. Then you're shaming yourself. Then like, if you're anything like me, you'll probably eat to try to comfort yourself. And it just makes this whole cycle where you're not liking yourself. You're getting angry at yourself for not changing. And then you continue the behavior that makes you unhappy. So for me, when you take it from a perspective of self-compassion, I respect myself. I like myself. I deserve to feel good. So let me set a goal that will help me to feel good. So for me, comparing it to my old goal that was very critical, it's like my goal now is to eat more whole foods because I feel good when I do that and I deserve to feel good. So It's first of all, setting the goal from a place of self-compassion. So instead of hating yourself into changing, you're just respecting yourself into feeling good and adding habits that help you feel good. And then when you set the expectations for yourself, make sure they're compassionate as well. Because if you place this very impossible, perfect expectation on yourself, you're just going to beat yourself up when it doesn't work. The goals take a lot of time to actually see and it takes a lot of slow progress rather than just overnight you're going to change into this better person and the last thing I think with self-compassion is that like let's say you're you're running a race and you feel like you're getting tired you're starting to feel like you want to stop and imagine somebody runs up beside you and starts saying like you're not good enough you might as well stop right now you're not even good enough to reach the finish line like there's no point of you trying Like, I would probably personally stop because that person just came and confirmed all the beliefs that I was having in my head that there was no point of me even doing this because I wasn't going to achieve it. But then if it was someone more positive that came by and tried to get you to keep going, like, hey, you're doing great. I know it's hard. Like, why don't we just walk for a bit instead of completely stop? Like, why don't we cross the finish line together? you're going to feel a lot more motivated to keep going because you feel supported and there's someone there who sees your strength. And setting self-compassion and goals is basically being that person for yourself. So instead of being the bully and the critic that makes you want to stop because you're so hard on yourself, you're on your own team and your own support person to actually help you keep going because you care about reaching that goal because you set it from a place of feeling good. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. And I think like seeing a lot of those switches from like New Year's resolutions or New Year's goals, even like it can be so powerful to just switch that to intentions or like compassionate goals, because we put all these, again, high standards on ourselves. And if we don't achieve it, then we take a complete negative switch rather than like, okay, why didn't I achieve this? Did I achieve part of this? Like, do I need to alter it in some way? And I think there are so many other directions we can take it rather than just being that like harsh inner critic that we have on ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Like self-compassion is basically just treating yourself like someone that you care about. And if we actually think about it, a lot of the things that we say to ourselves, a lot of the expectations that we put on ourselves is so much more harsh than what we would ever say to someone that we cared about. We probably wouldn't even say it to someone we didn't care about because we are so hard on ourselves. So even like whether it's with goal setting or building up your self-worth, I think self-compassion is one of the most important things that you can use because you're going to get a lot farther when you have yourself as a support rather than putting these impossible expectations on yourself and then getting mad at yourself when you can't do it. Like to me, self-compassion is basically like I'm human, you're human, we're all trying our best and that's enough. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think just saying that itself can be so powerful to somebody listening who may be struggling with their self-worth or questioning whether they're good enough to even reach their goals. So I guess like wrapping up with that, um, as this is the first episode of 2022, can you share a thing or two that everyone listening today can do to get away from those self-sabotaging beliefs and more towards alignment with our most authentic self? So I think one of the first things is to just be aware of what beliefs you have about yourself and what you're saying to yourself throughout most of the day because a lot of the times we don't even realize it so when you do notice some sort of belief about yourself ask yourself like does this even make sense does this serve me in any way like does this make me feel good and is there any logic to back this up because most of the time it doesn't make sense and it doesn't make us feel good and we usually don't have logic for it either. So what's the point of even holding on to this belief? Like one of the biggest things I learned this year is that we can redefine anything we want. So it actually serves us. And so we can feel good. Like, why did my worth have to be defined by being perfect? It doesn't. You can make a new definition for it to actually work for you. So that's kind of the thought part. And then for me, the action part would be Treat yourself like someone who matters. Like, what would that look like? What would you be doing if you were good enough, if you were worthy? Start doing it now because you already are. So that could be doing something that your inner child, like when you were younger, you used to love to do. Or choosing yourself, like just doing self-care instead of going out if that's what you feel like doing. Like, treat your needs and your wants just as important as someone else's. And lastly, something that really helped me was what I call exposure therapy. It's not like the actual version of exposure therapy, but it's basically doing things you normally wouldn't be comfortable with, making mistakes and kind of putting yourself out there so you can see that your worth isn't going to change if something doesn't work out. You'll still be okay. You'll still be loved. You'll still be worthy. And this will help you build confidence in yourself and realize that you don't need to be anyone other than you in order to be good enough. I absolutely love that. And I think it's a perfect way to end up this episode. But thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing like where this started and what you're turning it into. I think it's amazing that you're helping other people like learn to change these thoughts. And just by like providing these analogies or just why certain things have worked for you, I think can be super powerful and helpful. And even just like hearing your personal experience with those mindset switches or some activities that you've done, I think it can really aid somebody in their own healing journey and towards like embracing themselves for who they are. Yeah, thank you. I'm really glad that you have this platform too, just so people can feel like they're not alone and feel like they're heard and seen. I think that that also has a lot to do with self-worth because if we feel like we're different than everybody else or separate, we feel like something's wrong with us when really we all struggle. We're all trying our best. And no matter what challenges or struggles you went through, you still can be loved for who you are and for the experiences that you've had. So thank you too for making this platform. Thank you. 
first of all, I am so proud of Alicia for coming on to share her story and just so grateful that she was willing to open up about her experiences because I don't think much of what she said is shocking, like having self-worth or treating yourself with kindness. Like these are things that we think should just happen automatically, but because of the society that we live in and the pressures that we put on ourselves and how we think we need to show up for the benefit of other people, and it's not ever for ourselves, we really do tend to lose ourselves or what she said about staying small. Like, these are things that so many people go through and they're so scared to just show up as they are because of the fear of judgment or what she said about she didn't even want to get noticed at all if there was even the slightest chance that somebody would point out something negative about her. And I think that, along with several other aspects of her story, are something that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to because, unfortunately, I think these things are common as we're growing up and people just lose themselves trying to fit in or whatever the case may be. So it truly is so inspiring to see how she's now taken her journey to this next level and she's created this page and this business and she's trying so hard to help other people work through these negative emotions and honestly at the end of the day that's what this platform is all about it's seeing people use their shitty experiences for good I know not everybody has that ability or opportunity to do that but now that Alicia has those experiences and that knowledge she is capable enough to help other people through those tough times that she went through when she probably didn't have anybody to talk about them with. And I really, really enjoyed listening to her explain the law of attraction and how she compared it to CBT because I think like when you hear law of attraction, it's very like witchy and spiritual and some people are like, nope, <laughs> I'm done. But it does have that CBT like underlying focus and it simply is just reframing your thoughts in a way that best serves you. And that's what people do in therapy with like scientific evidence. So I understand that this may be like hard to grasp because it's just energy and you changing your own beliefs. But I think I'm learning more and more like how valuable that can actually be in our lives and that the energy that you put into the world is what you're going to get back or what you see for yourself is what you're going to attract. So thank you very much for listening to this episode. I really encourage you to take some time to think about your intentions for this year and come at them from a place of self-love and make sure that they're goals that you can break down into real, tangible steps. I'm sending everybody listening to this today a huge hug and I will be back next Friday. <laughs>